Crickets? Why are we hearing crickets? All right, we got to stop this. This is episode 27. We are Royally Rumbled. I'm Jordan. I am Robert. And we're back. Uh, it's It's been a little bit since you guys have probably heard from us. Yeah, Money in the Bank was the last episode. Yeah, our voices might sound slightly different because both Jordan and I are uh, slightly under the weather. I have yeah. a bit of a head cold and, and Jordan's throat has been hurting him for about a week and a half now. Yeah, I lost my voice last week, so it's just <laughs> finally coming back. So bear bear with us as we sniffle and cough our way through this for you. Uh, stomping grounds. <laughs> yeah, kind of a little different episode here today, as we are not doing predictions, because as most people know, no guess is as good as ours. But we're gonna we're gonna do something that we also like to do, which is talk about the shows after they happen. Yeah, and it's the first time ever that we're doing this for you on this podcast, almost two years later. But I guess before we get there, uh, we are doing the uh, finisher tournament on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and it's going swimmingly. Yeah, round two's happening as we speak. Um, so make sure you check our Twitter account, our Instagram, our Facebook we dropped the polls for you. You guys vote on them. Uh, none of them have been really that close. There's only been like one or two toss-ups so far. Oh, that's not going to happen for very long. Oh, I know. It's going to get tougher and tougher. So <laughs> that's what I'm waiting for. I can't wait for it. And uh, I just want to see people argue on Twitter. Yeah, that's what we're here for. Um, we also, speaking of argue, well, there was no argument about this. We retained our Omega Luke Fantasy Booking Championship. Yeah, shout out to Nev for his very interesting booking of Jordan Devlin. Nev always pushes us to get very creative and very interesting with our bookings. So, big shout out to Nev. And to Omega Luke for allowing us to provide him with at least a half hour of content every time that he asks us to do something. Yeah. Which I hope will continue if you've heard the the Twitter announcement today. Yeah, to to become one. To become one in the unscripted podcast where Omega Luke and Wilfred are joining forces every Monday on Brain Buster Radio. So that's very interesting. In, incredibly interesting. I know I'm going to be listening. Absolutely. They're some of the coolest guys on, on, on wrestling Twitter that we've come across and interacted with. So maybe they'll book us on their show every once in a while. Maybe, maybe. I mean, I don't know. Dude, I'd love to go on there and just like shoot the shit and talk. I'm not, wrestling. you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not fantasy booking myself onto their program. I'm just saying, you know, I'll, maybe, I'll fantasy book ourselves on that. Yeah, maybe, on their program. Uh, maybe you know, fantasy booking champions for you know six, six or seven months, maybe longer, right? Longer. It's been you know the the only fantasy booking champions. Maybe maybe book the money show. I don't know. <laughs> shoot your shot, right? All right. Uh, that's my that's my tagline for this year is shoot your shot 2019. <laughs> shoot your shot 2019. Hashtag shoot your shot 2019. <laughs> like speak so we're talking about Omega Luke and you said shoot your shot. Uh he shot his shot at the end of last week on Twitter. He replied to a Scarlet Bordeaux tweet with a you should come on the Omega Luke wrestling podcast. And I like I saw it and I laughed out loud and then I was like, dude, I really hope that works for him. Could you imagine? 
Absolutely. And I also saw another one of our wrestling Twitter friends, Undisputed Future Podcast. Yes! He shouted out uh, the guys from Impractical Jokers. Yeah, dude. I really hope that that happens. That would be amazing if he I got I just want to see good Jokers. things happen to good dudes. Yeah. Um, all right. Stomping Grounds. How did you like the show? I actually very much enjoyed this pay-per-view. I thought it was really well done. And if you've ever listened to one of our episodes before, you know, like, we're both very optimistic most of the time. Well, you're the optimist. I am I am not the optimist. Well, I try to be optimistic about <laughs> the shows. And I think coming off of Super Showdown and, and that show and the garbage that came with that, mm. this was like a weird, bizarro once-in-a-lifetime sort of situation where, like, every match delivered on this card, in my opinion. I Dude, I agree. I was very uh, pleased with the outcomes, and the match quality in general wasn't bad, uh, even though the crowd tried to interject itself for no reason. Because I feel like being in person for WWE events is the best way to view them because you don't have to deal with Michael Cole screaming in your ear and Corey Graves arguing with everybody. And Renee Young going, oh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> to everything. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh. Like, that's that, that that's my impression she of Renee Young. Oh. Uh, <laughs> In Byron Saxton trying like hell to just like talk about what's happening in the ring and nobody letting him do it. And then Corey um, just tells him to shut up. Yeah, I can't stand how they do commentary anymore. I don't think a three-man team is necessary. And it's just, it's grating to sit through Raw and SmackDown sometimes having to hear just so much about what's not happening in the ring because they barely they don't even have I noticed this too it was during the the Roman Reigns uh, Drew McIntyre match they don't even have names for moves anymore (laughs) Drew does this really awesome uh like inverted Alabama slam where he's holding them from the front of their feet and slamming their face down and he did it to Roman onto the announce table, and, and all anyone and awesome. all anyone did was go oh, and that was it. There was no like Drew hit the because that move should have a name. Absolutely, he uses it all the time, all the time, and it looks awesome. It looks so good, and it doesn't have a name. That's a failure on everybody because Drew can tell the announce team. I call it this. You know, and the announced team should call it right, and they just oh my god, Roman Reigns bashed his head off the announce table. Yeah, but that's not what happened. Drew forced him through it, and he completed a action to do that. So call it what what it is. Just give it a name. It could be anything. A modified face buster, like it doesn't right. like it could be something simple like that. They got they got away from that so hard, and it just it sucks. And he did another move too. It was like a. He kind of spun around and did almost like a rock bottom kind of. It was it was interesting, but they didn't call it anything. They're just like, "Oh, Roman slammed onto the mat," and I'm like, "Dude, come on, <laughs> make something up." 
Yeah, just call it anything. Like, even call it on the fly and then see if it sticks. Like, Jim Ross is the one that named the Poetry in Motion. Yeah, because he called, yeah. Because he just said it looks like Poetry in Motion, and so he kept saying Poetry in Motion anytime they'd do it, and it And now that's the name of the move. now that's the name of the move. Don't tell us about their fighting style or their background, because, like, that's why uh, I enjoy NXT and to some some extent 205 lives commentary because mm-hmm. they kind of talk about their background you know like Nigel McGuinness will get into what these guys do and how they learn that and that's something that I always enjoyed going all the back all the way back to WCW because Mike Tenay used to do that mm-hmm. where he he was the first time I ever heard acai moonsault <laughs> And that's how I know how to order that drink at Starbucks. <laughs> the acai refresher. Thank you, Mike Tanay, <laughs> for helping us order drinks at Starbucks. <laughs> uh, but no, but, so like that that was that's just something that's like a huge gripe <laughs> with me with just like the current product is that they don't even care to name the maneuvers that they're doing because at the end of the day, it's. Like like the wrestling is a is a back seat, but then when you watch it live, it's fantastic. Like I feel like that Roman Reigns Drew McIntyre match, even though we've seen it a hundred times on Raw and got it at WrestleMania, was still a really good match. It was if you if you didn't have to sit through the commentary, or you got to hear about what Roman said on Twitter, yeah. and you know a cricket wireless commercial in the middle of the match. <laughs> And so, sometimes I just, I'll I'll notice that I drown out the commentary and I don't even pay attention to what they're saying. And I think that helps me enjoy it more. See, I can't, I, if for whatever reason, I can't do that. It doesn't happen for me. So like, I'm, just, I'm just hearing Michael Cole tell, call every kick an enziguri and any move, every move is rated with how many knees it takes to do it. <laughs> the double knees. Oh, single knee, double knees, no knees. <laughs> the no knees and Siguri. <laughs> the no knees and Siguri. Uh the and now that I've said that I really hope that anyone listening to this will watch Raw and hear Michael Cole's call an Inziguri out of anything. <laughs> <laughs> we make fun of it like all the time. All the time. It's my favorite joke chat. in the world. It's my favorite it's my favorite joke in the world. The the uh the Enziguri and the double knees. Cause just everything is a double knees. He won't even call like the one time he called a meteora, I fell out of my chair. No, but he called it a double knee meteora, as <laughs> if there's any other type of meteora. That's like saying R.I.P. in peace. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> uh, so, all right. So we talked about. I get. You know, we're talking about Drew and, and Roman. Do you want to just? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a really good match for what it was. Like you said, the commentary is a is a big detractor of the entire WWE product. But like I also said, I kind of drown it out. So I don't even like pay attention to that stuff half the time. Um, unless it's really bad. But as far as the match goes, I thought the match was really fun because these are both big dudes. They're kicking the shit out of each other. You know, like they're McIntyre hit a beautiful, superplex at one point he did and it was oh my awesome. god he did 
But anytime those two guys are like standing on the top rope, I'm like, oh God, what's going to happen? Yeah, they're I'm huge. like, don't die. Someone's going to die here. <laughs> they're huge. And like, my only issue with the match is that Roman had to, like, Roman had to win again. And the reason I don't like Roman winning again is he doesn't need it. And McIntyre desperately needs a statement win. See, but the issue there is because he's paired with Shane. I know. I like. I was hoping that because Roman won, it'd be over. But I don't know that uh, it went that way on Raw today. No, no they're going to keep going with this. It was so, like, like a if two Roman one handicap match or something, if Roman can keep overcoming McIntyre and Shane, what is the point of having it continue? I mean, I didn't like the way that they just paired him with Shane in the first place. No, because he's not a lackey. He's way better than that. But yeah. they just keep... McIntyre's gimmick is, if you need a friend, I'm the bad guy for you. He's he's the male version of Natalia. He, <laughs> he is. He is the male version of Natalia right now, where if you're a heel and you need a partner, McIntyre's your guy, and to a lesser extent, Elias. Yeah. But that's all well, part of the MWO credo. Yeah. Uh, the, For life, the mid, brother, brother. The mid-card world order uh, consisting of now Shane is the leader of it. He's like their Hollywood Hogan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. He's their Bischoff. Oh, right, right, right. Shane's their Bischoff. That's that's true. And you got Corbin, uh, McIntyre, Bobby Lashley. Uh, who else? Elias is in there. You got Sammy and Kevin in there now. The Revival. Rusev Nakamura when they're on TV, which hasn't been in a while. Uh, so yeah, that's the the MWO just keeps growing and growing. The best, it, <laughs> the best was when we were on Twitter talking about it because we yeah. always talk about it on Twitter, <laughs> and then someone legitimately thought that was a real thing. Yeah, because like, why not? Why isn't it a real thing? Just make shirts. Because the the problem that I have is that all of the heels are in this like ambiguous group of bad guys that all like team up with each other but there's no real reason like when Corbin Lashley and and uh McIntyre. and McIntyre were teaming up they called each other a team but there was no defense of it and no explanation of it like they cut that promo at the at the shield uh last ride thing or whatever the hell it was called yeah oh that was and, uh that was uh Strowman instead of Lashley Strowman was in there for like a hot second. At the at earlier though, because Strowman they turned Strowman face again, so now he's not in it. He's fighting them again. Yeah. <laughs> but so they at the at the Shield thing, I think it was McIntyre was like this team, this group of guys is the best team, and they don't have a name, <laughs> and they're thrown together every week, and there's always a rotating member. Like they don't have like make, matching gear. They don't have matching gear. They don't have. They like, don't come one out together. They just, so like, why not just give them one generic rock song and have them all wear the same shirt and just call it a day? Like, stop, stop playing with yourself. It's like, you might as well just have them be, because the thing about the NWO and the reason people, you know, WCW went under and all this other, all this other shit (laughs) is because the NWO got too big and then they had the offshoot Wolfpack NWO to try to make them war with each other. And it just kept, they just kept growing. Both groups just kept growing. And that's why the MWO 
MWO, mid-card world order, is great in WWE now because it's doing the same thing. <laughs> for at least three months. <laughs> for at least three months or until creative has something better for you. <laughs> uh, I'm a little upset that we didn't get the Mean Street Posse showing up. <laughs> no! Maybe that could be their thing. The mid-card world order could all wear sweater vests. Did we break your streak last episode t- talking about the Mean no, no, Street no, no. Posse? No, I talked about it in the Money in the Bank episode. Damn it. And so I've got to continue here. This has been before WrestleMania that you've been doing this. <laughs> this is good. I'm waiting. I'm holding my breath for peak ass to show up <laughs> and blade everywhere. I thought for sure at Super Showdown. <laughs> at Super Showdown, they fly Pete Gas to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> it's oh, not the God. weirdest thing. It's not the weirdest thing. They need people for that massive battle royal every month. <laughs> um, the, the Saudi prince wants what the Saudi prince wants, and he wants fat-ass Pete Gas. <laughs> Could you imagine if he was a big Pete Gas, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. He does like the Attitude Era. So talking about the... Uh, mid-card world order we also kind of have kevin owens and Sami Zayn in there yeah yeah they've been added to it uh recently uh but judging by their promo i believe it was last week on smackdown or raw it was raw uh they're fully invested in the mwo as well uh taking on the new day because some people want to stop kofi kingston and then those people need lackeys and that's where Kevin and Sammy come in. Although this match was amazing. Dude, it was really good. It was such a well-performed tag team match, like in a classical sense. Like, Sammy and Kevin did what the Revival say that they do. Yeah. And I'm a I'm a mark for good tag team wrestling. So seeing this match and the way it was executed, I was over the moon about it. I did. I really liked it. Um, I really enjoyed how they isolated Woods and were just beating the hell out of him. Mm-hmm. And then finally Big E got in there. And, and that tore crowd it. popped for it. Dude, the crowd popped so big for it. It was kind of incredible because I didn't expect them to go that hot. Yeah. Uh, but they did. And, you know, they all hit these crazy spots. Yeah, they Big got their e falsies did- in. Yeah, B- Biggie did his car accident spear off of the uh, off the apron, and like obliterated Sami Zayn and his shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> but every time he does that, I'm so fearful for his life. Oh, all the time. Because every like, time someone's he hits gonna it, die. the way he lands, I'm just like, oh my god, Biggie, please don't do this. Kevin hit uh, that beautiful swanton, dude. Oh my god, I popped out of my seat for this his swanton. Because I didn't expect it. I was like, wait, why is he flipping forward for a frog splash? Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> and then he did a frog splash right after it. He's, like, so agile. He, and WWE constantly underutilizes him. So fast. So quick. Powerful. Owens is really the total package. Mm-hmm. And he's not Lex Luger. <laughs> uh, he's got... His promo work is second to none. You you could you could just hand Kevin Owens a microphone and say, "All right, we want people to hate you in this town, and just let him go, because he will get heat immediately. It doesn't. He won't. He'll go for like a little bit of cheap shit, but he is so good at getting people to not like him. Mm-hmm. And even in his like 
limited two week run with the New Day, he's really good at getting people to like him. Yeah. So, um, I I'm a huge mark for Kevin Owens. He's one of my favorite guys in the company right now. Um, and I think he would be successful anywhere. And he proved that before he got to NXT and WWE. But uh, it doesn't matter what company he's in; he's going over. Yeah, huge. And and Sammy, to like a lesser extent, but like still, Sammy Zayn is over. Yeah, people want to see him get the shit kicked out of him. Yeah, because like his heel work is so interesting. He does it in a way that like you can't help but agree with him. Even though you don't like how he's delivering the message. Like, he doesn't come out and call people smelly. Right. He's like, you know, he just... And his... Like, he takes time with his promos, but you're listening to him. You're not tuning out. Uh, I really, really enjoy uh, heel Sami Zayn. But that's not to say I don't like face Sami Zayn, because face Sami Zayn is fantastic, too. Mm-hmm. He's such a great underdog to the Sami Kevin Sami Zayn Owens. was one of my favorites... Yeah. As a face in NXT. In NXT, yeah. And, like, I'm so friggin' thrilled that Xavier Woods is getting, like, more and more opportunities to show what he can do in the ring. Because he, he had a match great. on SmackDown last week yeah. with Dolph Ziggler that was phenomenal. It was. And, and he fired up on Kevin and Sammy in this match, and it was great to watch. Yeah. Woods is, Woods is super underrated as a performer. But I was I was very pleased with the outcome of this match. Me too. Because um, I feel like the it was it was right. Yeah, Kevin and Sammy needed the win. Speaking about uh, the right result, let's discuss the SmackDown Live Tag Team Championship match. Oh, between man. Heavy Machinery <laughs> and Daniel Bryan and Rowan. Oh my God. Yeah, the uh, the correct team won. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people, a lot of people on the internet saying how great Heavy Machinery was. Uh, I still don't understand. Listen, I want someone to at me and tell me specifically why they like him. He does the worm. Is uh, there like a legitimate reason why you like him? Well, nobody nobody will say this, but it's because he's he's fat and it's funny. That's the reason. Because he, he, he shakes? Because he shakes and jiggles and talks like a moron. Big E does all that, but like, yep. Big yeah, but E he could can, also wrestle he can run. <laughs> and like move and like doesn't rely on the cheap pops yeah. to get him we through. Were, we were just talking about nimble big men in the way of Big E and Kevin Owens, and you could throw Rusev in there even though he's leaned out a little bit. Um, big men that can move, and then you have Otis. Uh, Tucker's not bad. No. But Tucker is such a white meat baby face with his big doe eyes (laughs) and, like, his heartfelt promos where he kind of just looks like he's going to cry every time he talks. And then you, and then the camera turns to Otis, and he yells like the word meat or the word cheese, and people f- go hysterical. And he like crosses his eyes and shit. Yeah, I don't and, get like, it. Stutter. Yeah, I don't. I just don't I understand. Don't, I don't get it. I didn't like them on NXT. No. I sure as hell don't like them on the main roster. But I know Vince's juvenile humor is getting a kick out of it because he still thinks that like midgets and trannies are funny. 
So that's why you get Otis every week being a fat moron. It's not even like he got serious. In no. The ma- like he's just he's playing that he character just, and he's schmucking it up. He does that stupid thing where he's like pumping his arms like you're trying to get the uh, tractor trailer next to you to blow his horn. Oh, when and, you're seven? And then he starts gyrating his hips yeah. and like humping the air and people are laughing. Because he's, he's, he's bulking up, brother. I hate, dude. The fact that Daniel Bryan, who is arguably the greatest wrestler in the world, had to share a ring with that guy and and sell for him, like, just sucks. Just plain sucks. But it's a testament to Daniel Bryan and his... Right, because he made his, it look good. Yeah. He made it look good, but Daniel Bryan can wrestle a broomstick. And the broomstick has, you know, more ability... Like, I don't know. I can't stand the guy. I can't stand the team. I, like, eventually, like, that's the team that, like, I hope they break up sooner than later. And they make Otis, like, some sort of weird, stupid, badass heel so he could just join the MWO. <laughs> and poor Tucker's going to be, like, trying to save him or something like that. Because oh, Tucker seems like Tucker seems like the only, like the, the type of character that would be like, but we were brothers. Uh <laughs> Uh, I don't know. We've dis- and we've discussed our dislike of heavy machinery like on social media, but we've never really done it in an episode before. No. Um, we haven't had the opportunity, thankfully, until now. Look at the teams that were previous champions, right, on SmackDown. You've got the Usos. You've got the New Day. You've got the Hardys. You've got Daniel Bryan and, I suppose, Rowan. You can't put the belts on a team like heavy machinery from going to that because it'll kill them. Yeah. What I could see them doing is putting the 24 seven title on them, but that's because they already treat that title like it's a game, like it's fun or whatever. Don't besmirch your tag team division. It's literally the fight. It's literally the fight that Daniel Bryan is like talking about in every one of his promos. So I, I don't, I think that, Brian and Rowan will like Heavy Machinery have no business beating that team. No business. No. Rowan's been tag team champion how many times already? Brian's been tag team champion how many times already? Like, there's no universe wherein Daniel Bryan should get pinned by either of those guys. So, this match wasn't bad. It wasn't a bad match. And I think the whole point of it was to try and get heavy machinery over, but yeah. the crowd did not want that to happen. Yeah, no, it was in a really bad... It's <laughs> such bad uh, location for the first opportunity to get heavy machinery over on a pay-per-view because it was in Daniel Bryan's, like, neck of the woods. <laughs> yeah, in <laughs> so, freaking Washington. really bad planning on their part. Um, and I saw I saw somebody say that they don't want to see heavy machinery get buried because they couldn't get over in Daniel Bryan's hometown. I did and see I, someone say that. And I kind of, I hear the sentiment and I feel the exact opposite of you. <laughs> I hope it cools off their, their, their Momentum. push and they put somebody else in that spot. Mm-hmm. I would love to see Daniel Bryan and Rowan versus Gallows and Anderson. Yes. That is a, fantastic tag match because you have two similar builds versus two similar builds 
and that would just be because Anderson's super underrated also, mm-hmm. and they haven't been utilized hardly at all. Even though I know AJ's been like talking to them now, that's only so, like within the last week. So right. So I mean, if if they're not putting the club back together with AJ to give him something to do, um, I would really like to see the SmackDown titles be defended against them. That's just a shot in the dark. Like, yeah. And I love that idea. Something else that I loved was the cruiserweight championship match. Oh my God, dude. Okay. So I, I usually skip the pre-shows. I don't get the, the point of them in an era where it's not a pay-per-view and you're not airing that anywhere else. Well, I mean, they, they technically They are. stopped in the middle of the match to tell me that I could watch Stomping Grounds on the w- only on the WWE Network. And well, because I was like, they air it on YouTube. Okay. They air it on YouTube, okay. they air it on Twitter, they air it on Facebook. I was so confused. I so, was like, like, they're why? just trying to sell the network. I was like, who are you selling this to? I'm here. I'm here. We're all here. <laughs> and I, I, I feel so like confused. a lot of people don't understand that they do that because they don't tell you yeah they don't say we're here live on youtube twitter and whatever else and if you want to watch the actual show you have to get the network and it's free for new subscribers if they would just lay that out it would be so less confusing because i'm watching on my network subscription going who are they selling this to i've already bought it yeah and i think that's why a lot of people like bitch and moan about the pre-show even though they're the ones that are also watching the pre-show. They're like, right. nobody's watching this, but you're watching it. You're sitting there watching it. I don't I don't usually watch it unless I hear that the match that's on it is, is after the fact, is good. And then I'll go back and fast forward. If through. I'm, like, not doing anything, I'll put... Yeah. Uh, because normally I'm just waiting for the pay-per-view to come on. So yeah. I'll put I it mean, on. Just the, the, painful, the painful panel segments. Uh, well, listening. yeah. To some of those people talk back and forth kills me. Um, and it doesn't matter what group of people they swap in and out. I never enjoy hearing them talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're all like keeping kayfabe but also trying to shoot a little bit. And I'm just like, I don't like what is the direction here? <laughs> there um, is none. Yeah, exactly, and that's why it's terrible, and that's why Talking Smack was good, because the direction was, shoot. So I, I went back and I watched the match, because I heard it was great, and I saw the result, and the result got me to pop huge. Yeah. Uh, and then some of the spots in the match, man, they were crazy. Dude. Crazy spots. That the, Immediately, right out of the gate, when Tazawa jumped off uh, the steps... And did that like rolling senton into yes. Gulak in the corner? Oh my god! So the guys at two hundred five live kill it like every single week, and I cannot even begin to tell you how ecstatic I am that Drew Gulak is the two hundred five live cruiserweight champion. Yeah, yeah, because it's awesome. When Gulak was in the cruiserweight classic, I was pushing for him. Yep, dude, I, I remember wanted we, Gulak to win. <laughs> we watched all of the first round matches. And then we filled out the bracket for each other. And I was massively into Tozawa. I really enjoyed him in his in his Cruiserweight Classic match. So that was where we were both introduced to all these guys. And I thought it was in, I think it's interesting that Gulak is a is a is a two oh five and under guy and he he doesn't do flippy stuff. 
he's very grounded. He does a lot of mat wrestling and stuff like that. And that was something I had never necessarily seen because usually all the small guys do do flips. Yeah. Uh, and that's where all those British guys were involved in it. And that's where all that, that door opened wide for that stuff for me. And I was like, oh, wow, this is awesome. Like Zach, Zach Sabre Jr. I'd never seen him before the Cruiserweight Classic. So that was awesome. But Gulak was one of those guys that I like was a total badass ass kicker in that tournament. But then there's a guy like Tony Nese who like didn't stand out for either of us. No. But over the last couple of months, he's really shown that he deserved to be champion. Dude, his WrestleMania opinion. match was amazing. Dude, it was so good. So good. And then, uh, I mean, coming in, the defenses that he's had have been good. But then coming into this match with a guy like Tozawa and a guy like Gulak, like you really can't go wrong in this match. And they they brought it. Dude, there there was one point where Nice hit a German suplex on Tozawa and and held Gulak down with like a pin. Yes. And like in a bridge. Oh, dude, yes. that was such a great spot. Yeah. Nice missed the uh, four fifty. Mm-hmm. And then Gulak hit him with something, and then Tazau hit him with something else. Yeah, like Gulak, it was so... Gulak locked in the fuck the, his dragon sleeper. Oh, and then Tazau hit move. the the senton yep, on both on of top them. of it. Oh, that was brutal, brutal. And then there was another point where uh, I forget what move, I forget what hold it was, and then Tazawa came out of nowhere with a shining wizard. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, they're killing each other. <laughs> yeah, they're just the the cruiserweights don't hold anything back. And I think that's part of the reason why they put them on the pre-show is because you also have all of these free platforms that you're streaming your pre-show on. So you're trying yeah. to get people hooked to go, oh, oh, I want to watch this. Yeah. I mean, it's it's sort of a lie because that that quality of match is not what you get typically out of WWE. So typically, don't but like it. this, th- like we were even saying, this whole show felt like a like a takeover. It did. It did. Specifically, Alexa Bliss versus Bailey. Yeah, that match was good, but that's where the show started to like grind down for me. Um, a little bit. It was. It was. It was fantastic storytelling, but I don't know when you're if you're gonna do a slow paced match the way that they did, which I don't have a problem with at all. They, my issue is that the internal logic of the psychology in that match didn't make sense to me, and here's why: Uh, Alexa worked Bailey's arm the whole match, Mm -hmm. and she doesn't have a finish that involves working her arm. Yeah, but I mean, you you could argue that like she could struggle to kick out with that arm. You they know? you know they do that. The only person that ever brings that up is Nigel McGuinness, and mm-hmm. he's not calling that match, so that's <laughs> not presented to me. He's the only guy consistently that when there is a shoulder or an arm being worked in an NXT match, will say it's harder to kick out if your arms hurt. He's the only guy. Legitimately, I remember here he 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 literally said it very recently about another match that was on NXT, just a regular NXT, and I was like, "That's such an interesting call." Yeah, 
and then they don't do that on the main roster. So I see your point, but they don't present it that way. No, absolutely, and I that's why I see your point as well. Yeah. So to to have Bliss work the arm, and like if she if she did the disarm her right, if she did that move, working Bailey's arm the entire match makes total sense. But her she does twisted Bliss is her finish. <laughs> so like the arm is really ineffectual in that in that finish whatsoever. Yeah. That's like it Hulk Hogan no had role. Hulk Hogan had massive arms and he finished with a leg drop. Like that that's the that's what we're working with here. That's the only thing that that's the only problem that I had with it cuz I thought it was it was laid out well. Both of them really shined in in a match that like cuz a lot of Bliss has rabid fans and then she has people that absolutely hate her for no reason. Yeah. Um and which we've talked about before. Yeah. So I think that a match with Bailey, who is widely regarded as a good female wrestler, uh, should have helped bridge that gap. <laughs> I think so too. But I, I don't it, know I that that it, happened. I don't I know that worked. that happened, but it should have. I think it worked. Because the people that I, shit all, all over Alexa Bliss all the time. Uh, I see it all the time. People call her a Barbie, and she's like four foot tall. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> well, we, I mean, we talked we talked about this in our Barbie centered episode that we we had a while ago. But like, Alexa didn't win. No, she so, didn't. Like, everyone thinking like, oh, well, she only won because she's blonde and blah blah blah. Bailey won. She yeah. Bailey lived to fight another day. The the right person won this match, in my opinion. I get working the arm to an extent because Bliss is trying to to gain an advantage. You know. It's just it's not something that's going to be a story going forward. So it's just it's just annoying to me that they would waste their time. But it's like within the match, uh, Bailey had to overcome the arm being hurt. But like, did she? You know, I get it. I get the idea of doing it, but they just don't do it right. They don't present it right, is what no. you mean? Yeah, they they just don't they just don't presentation wise they they fall short. Like almost every time, and it's the first time that I've seen somebody work a, a a body part in a match in so long. Yeah, and it would just happen to be Bliss working Bailey's arm, and I was just like, "Wait, why?" <laughs> and like uh, another internal logic thing that could work there is if Bailey was legitimately doing the elbow drop as a finish, right? So but she's she... trying to like stop right. her from that. She's trying to take away the arm, so she'll have to figure something else out. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I yeah, it was a good match. I'm glad that that Bailey prevailed, uh, just to silence people that were like, "I can't believe Bliss is going to win another title," because mm-hmm. uh, those people are really annoying. One story that I very much enjoyed was Becky Lynch versus Lacey Evans, and it it's it's one of my favorite stories that they've been doing. I'm just nervous that it's going to go too long now. Well, yeah, it's spiraling out of control. It's it's getting a little over long. Um, so hopefully at the next pay-per-view, it's the end of it. Lacey's been really good as a heel, and her slow, drawn-out promos are very interesting. Uh, she's a great talker. Great yeah. talker. And it's very soon for her to be a great talker she's very young in her career and she's got the microphone skills already and she she uh has been garnering the heat yeah yeah but i guess that was inevitable since she's working with becky lynch and that's why it was such a brilliant matchup to put them in 
it's a great feud to have them be fighting one another and it's, that it's refreshing We've yeah never it's seen new it before and uh there was the the spot in the match where she did the thing from she did it in NXT too where she'd take out the handkerchief and wipe herself off and throw it at them yeah I thought that was great and then Becky answered it with like a, a mandible claw of sorts dude that I, I like looked at my TV I was like is she doing the mandible claw yeah she stuffed that handkerchief that was covered in sweat down Lacey's throat which is great on so many levels because yeah. Lacey's like prim and proper and now you're making her eat her own sweat which is hilarious yeah uh so that was a great spot um but i guess do we do we talk about the botch jordan let's talk about the botch <laughs> specifically that's been going around uh, i know you're dying to talk about the botch so we could talk about the botch yeah i was uh i was at work today and i saw botchamania share a video where Becky Lynch loudly calls back elbow. With like a megaphone. Loudly calls back elbow. Gets whipped into the corner. Connects to Lacey with the back elbow. Lacey sells back. And uh, Becky goes for her springboard sort of dropkick thing. And uh, Becky like hesitated. And then reset up for the move. And then did it. And then just looked really pissed off, which happens, you know, like people botch during matches. It happens. But the sheer amount of people who are bitching and moaning about Lacey Evans and saying, well, Lacey wasn't in position. Lacey wasn't ready for it. This is Lacey's fault. I'd be pissed, too, if I was Becky Lynch. If you watch that clip back, that's Becky's fault. Becky watches her for a split second as Lacey is selling away from her and then goes up for the the kick. Lacey immediately starts to move forward and Becky like leaps up for the kick but doesn't do it and then stops and then Lacey stands there and looks like an asshole. And then Becky like resets up and does it again once she's closer. That that's on Becky. Becky she, she she clearly in the clip could have and almost did make contact on the first attempt. Yeah. And Lacey would have sold it. Yeah, so I don't know why ready. she didn't. She braced to sell. Yeah. Yeah. She had her hands up like she was going to catch her foot and she was ready to jump back. And then Becky didn't follow through. So she like clearly was confused for a moment as Becky tried to do it again. Yeah. And my, my issue is that people are saying it's Lacey's fault as they watch Becky call solely call a back elbow and that's it so Lacey takes the back elbow how is it her fault that she didn't run into your kick when you didn't say back elbow kick <laughs> like, yeah you can chain them together we've heard Cena do it a million times <laughs> but like see Cena will call out a sequence of moves and clothesline drop down over the top like so Becky calls out one thing, they complete one thing, and then she's mad because she didn't do the other thing that she didn't tell her she was going to do. Now, a lot of people don't know this, but but I wrestled. Uh, I wrestled for about four and a half years on the independent scene in Northeast Pennsylvania. And uh, one thing that they would tell us would be, if you're green and you're in there and you don't really know what you're, what you're doing or you're being walked through a match and someone screws up doesn't matter if they hesitate if you're 
if you are the heel and someone hesitates, you you knock them down and you lock something in and you get your yeah. you get your footing. In that moment where Becky hesitated, Lacey should have gone after her and and kicked her or whatever and then they could have reset up for it. Yeah. And that's in that's inexperience on Lacey's part and that's fine. But to say that Lacey was out of position for Becky to eat a kick after she's selling for Becky, I think is wrong. Yeah, because she's legitimately had, had Becky had the confidence to hit the kick, she still could have she still could have done so. Yeah. But she didn't have the confidence in in what she was doing. She didn't have a, she thought that Lacey was too far away, but Lacey has very long legs and she can cover ground very quickly. Yeah. As soon as she saw what Becky was doing, she stepped right into it. And then Becky was not comfortable with the distance and stopped and started again. I don't know. I immediately watched it and was like, what the hell is Becky doing? Dude, right? Uh, but I mean, you know, we, we are, we don't, neither of us own a shirt that says the man. So <laughs> I guess that's our issue. I, I know, suppose we're so. able to look at things and not be clouded by the fact that we just like her a lot. Uh, <laughs> but like, cause if, a lot of people if, like her a whole lot and they can't ever say a, 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 a negative thing about her. It's if kind if of the annoying. roles were reversed, it would still be Lacey's fault. According Absolutely. To the oh my God. If Lacey attempted a kick, didn't hit a kick and then tried it again, everyone would be shitting on her mm-hmm. for, not oh my god she's so inexperienced how terrible this is so stupid why is she getting a put everybody would be saying that why'd she, she did what becky did yeah if she did what becky did everybody would be shitting on her but that goes back to i mean we've been talking about this for months now where becky can do no wrong mm-hmm. and i'm not i'm not i'm not telling you to not like her i'm just like in a moment where she messes up and you're blaming somebody else like just just look at it like okay maybe she screwed up she can yeah. You know, we're not saying she needs to retire because she screwed up a spot in a match. We're just saying, like, uh, it's not Lacey's fault that that happened. Yeah. Stop, this one, stop this one time. for Lacey to, like, retire yeah. and this, go back this to one NXT time. or whatever. Yeah. This, this one time it was, it was, it was Becky's fault and that's okay. <laughs> like, she's not infallible. <laughs> like, I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, the, the match was okay. For what it was, it was you know pretty good. And and credit where credit's due, I think Becky like was the one that that you know carried that match. Definitely, definitely. I don't like uh, how fast Lacey tapped to the disarm her. That's like my biggest gripe. I feel like they're that- gonna try to build Becky up. So that the disarmor is similar to the armbar that Ronda Rousey used, where if it's I, locked I, in, that's what's going to... And gonna, it's immediately tap out. Yeah. I just, I miss the days where the move would be held in for a while, and maybe several times throughout the match, and then finally they tap out yeah, after relenting. Yeah, like there's some drama. But like that, that goes back to when we were talking about Alexa Bliss, like Alexa worked the arm, why didn't Becky work her arm? Right, yeah, Becky didn't work an arm at all. I just, I wish that, like, they're doing a lot to build Lacey Evans up. So for her to tap in, like, less than a second is absurd to me. 
it's not a, a latitudinal booking of her if you're going to make her tap instantly to the first time that that move's locked in on her. <laughs> like, I don't know. I mean, I feel it like... Bu- it bugs me. It bugs me because I enjoy submission moves. Those were always my favorite move set of anything. Like, the high-flying stuff is cool, but I always loved submissions. Yeah. So, if you think about... Think back to, and I know it's taboo to even say his name, but when Benoit used to lock in the Crippler crossface, he, like, it, it, it took a while for somebody to tap out, but he had to wear you down. Yeah, because it had it, to make sense. It, it was a move that, like, eventually the pain was too much for you to bear and you tap out. And now it's like Becky puts you in an arm bar and instantly you're hitting the mat to get out of it. That's it's insane to me, and I think that's where like MMA kind of screwed things up for yeah. like WWE and like wrestling because it kind of took some of the drama out. Because once you lock in a hold in MMA, it's over. Yeah, sometimes guys last a little bit, but they're legitimately trying to break your arm. So yeah. I get what you mean. I get what you mean because you know if you're watching guys in a Kimura lock. <laughs> tap out instantly so they don't have their shoulder blade snapped in half. Uh, why wouldn't Randy Orton tap out to the Kimura line? <laughs> like, I get it. Uh, yeah, that does kind of suck because obviously Chris Benoit was before the the MMA boom that we got. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just something that bugs me that the instant tap out. But I also I think like you said, the way that they built Lacey, it's kind of the way that they built Corbin in his match with Rollins. Yeah. So let's let's talk about that because... Okay. The universal title match featuring Lacey Evans. Huh. Yeah. Corbin looked very weak against Rollins in that match, in my yeah. opinion. And that's something that I noticed. I mean, Rollins would have won with a count out. I get that they were trying to make it seem like Lacey's trying to screw him over and stuff, but like, the, I don't know. The whole thing just felt like Baron Corbin is so much lower on the totem pole than Rollins, and that's how yeah. it came across to me. Instead of instead of uh, Rollins, you know, getting screwed over, it came across as like Rollins is clearly better than Baron Corbin. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I thought I thought when I watched it, the 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 screw job after attempted screw job uh once the result happened uh once it was final that Rollins had won when John Cone had come down to actually count it yeah um i thought it was effective in showing that Rollins can overcome the odds in another way cuz he's already overcome physical odds with Lesnar so this is uh, I, while it's also physical obviously it's also a psychological because how many times do I have to beat this guy before this match is over? Yeah. I just so think, he, I don't know. He I had just... to, I just like that. I, I enjoyed how they booked the match because of the result and what Rollins had to go through to get there. I think it was effective in that regard for me. Yeah, I don't know. It just didn't really do it for me. Uh, that wasn't the story that I interpreted from it. I still think it was a good match. Um, that table spot with Rollins and Corbin was yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, but Rollins 
is is fantastic. Baron Corbin's fantastic. Both guys could work. Lacey Evans being in there added some drama to it. It did, and she was. Uh, I definitely did not expect it to be her, but it made sense if now, if, like going back and and thinking about Raw with him beating down everybody with a chair getting to the show and and not knowing who it's going to be and having Heyman come out of the, the Baron's locker room at the beginning um it was it was a brilliant a brilliant turn cuz what's Rollins going to do hit her yeah and she even says that to him what are you going to do hit me too and he, he he holds back and she slaps him in the face a couple times and then he eats a uh, low blow from her which i thought was great and then Becky came down to save the day, mm-hmm. which was interesting. Uh, Lacey changing the match from a uh, no count out to a no disqualification was interesting. I felt She's like really good at it too. Oh, absolutely! She was really good in that role, and like the uh, when she was doing the count and then she just stopped paying attention. Or like I thought that when was she great. Was like, oh, my arm, my arm hurts. Right, I was like that's amazing <laughs> because that's calling yeah. back. Yeah. A match that happened like two and a half hours beforehand. Yeah, Corey Graves called it out. He said that's from uh, Becky Lynch locking in the disarmor. Maybe if she didn't do that, Seth would have won by count out. Like he said something to that effect. Yeah. And I was like, oh shit, that's good. <laughs> that was good. Um, yeah, overall, it was a decent match. It wasn't great. Uh, I will say that the fans chanting during that match... For some reason, people seem to think that it was they were chanting at Seth, or it's like some sort of uh, receipt on Seth's title run. But I'm pretty sure it was related to Corbin's existence. Yeah, it's definitely Corbin because the <laughs> everyone hates Corbin. I just can't figure out why uh, on both Instagram and Twitter, people are like destroying Seth Rollins, and then like with what he's been saying on Twitter. Uh, where he's like, you know, defending the company that he works for and is the champion of. Uh, people are like shitting all over him for it. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really make sense to me. Uh, he's clearly been one of the best performers in WWE for like several years. Um, I don't know. I've never like suddenly nobody's a Seth Rollins fan, which is very weird to me. But yeah, I think the match was okay. Um the story is clearly moving forward. So yeah. at least one more time. So it'll be interesting. Another match that was really good, Samoa Joe and Ricochet for the United States Championship. Adored. I adored this match. Yeah. It was unexpected. And what not I shouldn't say it was unexpected. The, the, I expected it to be fantastic. The ending was unexpected. The ending was unexpected. I I said to you before this match even happened when they announced it from the fatal five way i said that's yeah. going to be the match of the night and in my opinion oh, definitely. it was definitely going all the way back to lucha underground uh when ricochet portrayed prince puma i've i was sold the second i saw him have a match the second i saw him have a match and he's one of the only people i've ever followed on like the indies to get to wwe mm-hmm and I knew, I told you that I told you months out, the second he has the opportunity, he's signing. Because you know WWE is watching him, and he knows they're watching him. 
and he signed and went right to NXT and I was I couldn't be more ecstatic about it. And now he's on the main roster and this is his first singles push. Because he came up first and they had him with Aleister Black and a team that didn't make any sense, but they were good together. They were good together. You can't argue they weren't good together. Yep. But it didn't make any sense as a team because it's like they were just, just like, oh, because they're from NXT, they're, so they're a team. So it's his first singles push and he gets a title out of it, which is, I mean, how's that for a report card And from working Vince? with a guy like Joe? Dude, yeah, yeah. Like, these two guys, like... And and Ricochet, we were talking about selling earlier, and Ricochet <laughs> Nobody's sold yeah. for Joe. He's 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 what Ziggler was like five years ago. Yeah, selling, but like even Joe sold for Ricochet. Yo, no, dude, definitely. And Joe knows Joe knows when to sell because yeah. he's the bigger dude. So obviously he's gonna take less damage, and Ricochet is gonna sell like he's dead. But then yeah. once Ricochet started getting his momentum back, yeah, you saw Joe was taking big hit after big hit, and he was getting slower and slower. Yep. Like it all made sense. That match, start to finish, was like a masterpiece. Yeah, I loved uh, Joe posting for him to do Hurricane Rana's and stuff because mm-hmm. Joe's Joe's out there front flipping (laughs) for for ricochet man it was great and i said to you like if it's not going to be cesaro samoa joe's like the next best option for that to work with like a smaller dude and and joe just got done working with ray yeah so why not work with the next ray mysterio yeah you because that's you for me that's before yeah that's for me that's who he is he is he is the next generation's ray mysterio and I, th- I, th- I think that he th- wants that. He wants to be known as that. Sure. He wants people to be like, oh, who are the greatest uh, high flyers of all time? He-, he wants people to go Rey Mysterio, Ricochet. And I'm, I'm, dude, I'm all in. I'm all in for a Ricochet United States Championship run. I thought that he went for the 630 too many times in the match. I get why. Because he did three, which is, you know, the rule of threes. Yeah. Um, but I just think that maybe it was one too many. It's just something that bothered me. I was like, oh, he's going for it again. Like, yeah. that's, you Well, know. In, in his defense, I think just because he was going for it, WWE has people conditioned, oh, if he hits it, it's over because no one's kicked out of it yet. That's true. So they're that's conditioning, true. like, is he going to hit it? Because if he hits it, it's over. So... right. I was fully expecting him to do the 630 and Joe take it but be moving and just lock in the Kokina clutch right out of the 630. So to just catch him on the landing yeah. and just lock it in. That's what that's how I thought the match was going to end. Like if that's what I would have done if it were me booking that. Yeah, and and I didn't I didn't foresee Joe losing the belt either. But I'm very no. glad. Like I wasn't mad about the outcome. Yeah, it's, I was it's very happy first, about everything. It's one of the first times that like the titles changed hands, and I was like, "Oh right, <laughs> like that was awesome." Because they're just they're just so good, dude. That Uranagi that Joe hit out of the corner. Yeah, yeah. Ricochet ran up to him and just 
leapt into the air. <laughs> Dude, and then Joe hit a, a friggin' German suplex, oh. and friggin' Ricochet sold up onto his feet. And then just hung there? I've done that before in a match. Yeah. Because it yeah. looks like you're dead. Yeah. I do. He he's always sold like he's always sold fantastic, and then having a a bruiser like Joe in there throwing him around mm-hmm. is like the best thing you could ask for. So I'm very excited for the future of the United States Championship here. Yeah, finally, you know, because that title's been like, I it's never been my favorite no. title. It's never been my favorite title. It's always been like. I feel like they they put it on like their who they think is like their fourth best person. Yep. And as such gets forgotten about and the feuds are always bad, but like because it's been Ray and Joe and Ricochet, like I'm 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 in. Yeah. I'm in for it. And hopefully we can do Ricochet versus Cesaro. Yeah. For that title. Or hopefully hopefully down the line we could get Ricochet versus Ray again. Mhm. Cuz it happened once in Lucha Underground and it was Awesome. Oh I implore you to go check that match out. If you thought Rey Mysterio and Andrade tore it down. Dude. Rey versus Prince Puma in Lucha Underground Season 2 was incredible. <laughs> incredible. We can't put over Lucha Underground enough. At least the first two seasons of what we watched. Yeah. Because Season 3 is still not on Netflix and neither is Season nope. 4. It's never going to be on Netflix. No. But, but still, you gotta you gotta check you gotta check out Lucha Underground. Even if you could find that match on YouTube, just watch it. Yeah, because oh my god! Another match that surprised me um, was the WWE Championship match with Kofi Kingston versus Dolph Ziggler in the steel cage. Uh, the The critical reception of this match is that it was boring. Um, uh, I saw someone say. Well, the problem with this match is that Kofi and Dolph have both been treated as mid-carders their whole career. I read, dude, I just read that comment like two hours ago. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> Kofi hasn't lost since before WrestleMania. Nope. And Ziggler has like a proven track record where he puts on incredible matches. He's won big matches. You know, he's former Money in the Bank former intercontinental champion former world champion like sure ziggler like hasn't been around but he's like still a legitimate threat yeah and dude his promos leading up to this so interesting they're so good nobody nobody cuts that promo better than dolph it, the the it should have been me over and over again mm-hmm like you f- like i felt it while he was saying it you know even though it's you know it's it's like obviously like not it's it's made up for the story like that he feels that way about Kofi Kingston yeah. doing all these things but like you believe it i t- totally because he his delivery is so impassioned like He's a guy who they're giving those promos to, and he is making lemonade out of those lemons. Yep. But, I mean, as far as the match goes, I don't think it was boring at all. No, no. I I slow cage match. Yeah, yeah. My only issue is that I just wish it was a real cage match where they only could escape. 
Well, WWE hasn't Thank- done that in forever. I know. But thankfully, thankfully, they ended the match on an escape. And it was really cool because it's never been done like that before. I've never, I've never seen that done. And that's like such a Kofi Kingston thing to do. Yeah, to steal to steal the show with an incredibly acrobatic maneuver that nobody else could do. Yeah. Like, he threw himself through the second rope and just landed on the floor in a belly flop. And, and <laughs> Kofi's never won a steel cage match before, they said. So that was really? the first time that he's won a steel cage match. Interesting. Interesting. But, like, yeah, I, I, I thought it was good. It was, I will say it was slow, but I don't think that made it, made it bad or boring. No, I think it, it heightened the drama. Ziggler yeah, kept it, working it, his legs. Yep. You could feel the, 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 the passion in their, in their fight mm-hmm. because it was slow. It was a struggle. They're like, they want everything to hurt. They want everything to land. And, you know, the, the, at the beginning with the, the mist super kicks and trouble in paradises like i thought that was really good and then they both kind of like nodded at each other like okay yeah okay like i'm not gonna hit you with my best right off the bat i'm not gonna be able to do that i'm gonna have to work for this Mm -hmm. like i like that Mm -hmm. like they wanted to make it difficult for each other to climb out of that cage yeah and they're both super so like that was the coolest thing about it is that like they did a several spots where they'd throw the other into the cage and they would catch and start climbing immediately. Yeah. Like, I love that because they're both super, super, super athletic and that's what they should be able to do. It's not like Mark Henry throwing Big Show into the cage, <laughs> you know, where, like, you don't expect him to grab onto it and start climbing, you know? Yeah. So I did. I I, I really liked that match a lot. I, I liked it, it was, too. It was very very effective to move the story along and i feel like that's got to be it for ziggler versus kofi right i mean i don't think it necessarily has to be um because ziggler like they showed him after the match he had like tears in his eyes yeah because like yet again he was out of the cage yeah he was just about to do something and kofi kingston did it first Mm -hmm. that goes to the story you know, but cage matches used to be the end of a feud type of thing, but obviously they're not using them that way because yeah. they barely use them. So I don't think it necessarily has to be the end of their feud. No, if it is the so end either. of their feud, it was good. I feel like people are going to get burned out on it. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. I Kofi needs Kofi needs a, a big time heel. Someone suggested Orton. <sighs> I don't want to go down that road again. Yeah, but if he beats like, him, yeah, I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking a big time heel like Samoa Joe. But jo- Joe's on Raw. Yeah, it's but wild card, wild card. Yeah, but Jordan. Joe doesn't. Joe doesn't have the the enough background of a consistent winning pattern to to be considered a legitimate threat. And I think that's part of the reason why Ziggler was never considered a legitimate threat for the title was because of the way that he was booked previously. Yeah. So if you put someone in there who's been booked well and been booked as a world champion, 
to feud with Kofi and Kofi wins clean like he's been doing. No shitty heel tactics, no like dusty finishes, like just trouble in paradise and pin him. Like I think Kofi and Orton could tell a good story in a one-on-one match. Or like I could see a guy like Cena coming back saying, I want to win my 17th world title. And then Kofi beats yeah. him clean. So you're you're saying like somebody established, yeah, with a title track record. And I think I think that would help Kofi. Yeah, no, de- working with somebody who's had several titles and has had years of success would would help Kofi. I don't know what promo you could cut that could make Orton versus Kofi interesting, other than dragging up that one time they tried and. Orton called him stupid. <laughs> that's the, that's like the, that's the only thing. Like they're gonna they're immediately gonna call back to the race car that Orton got as a gift yeah. that Kofi destroyed, and uh, I don't know if you need to, you know, mm-hmm. the boom drop through the table that one time in two thousand nine or whatever year that was. I know they show the clip all the time, but like, I just feel like we we've we've done it. But I also think think that's just the way they, they book Randy Orton now is he just shows up, hits an RKO, and that's the start of the feud or the end of and the it's feud. We- Dude, it's, it's weird to me because there's so many heels on the roster. Why can't we just make one of them a world beater? I actually think it could be very interesting to get Kofi Kingston versus Andrade. Oh, that match would be amazing, but nobody's going to take Andrade seriously for the same reason that they don't take Joe seriously. Exactly, and that's my only problem. And that's just that comes down to the booking, because it's Ugh. all fifty-fifty booking for people. Ugh. <laughs> but I want Samoa Joe versus Kofi for the title. That's what I want. Okay, I could also do Drew McIntyre versus Kofi for that title. That could make sense because that could move Kofi to working with Shane. There we go. That could be the bridge. There we go. Because Shane is the only heel that's been built up <laughs> in a way that is like legitimate. <laughs> Shocking. Yeah. Or like as Rusev said, he's the boss's son. You know how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> he said that to somebody on Twitter, dude. That was great. Rusev's the best. Yeah. <laughs> so that was uh stomping grounds. What'd you think overall looking back after just breaking that down? It was a good show that should have been a great show. I think it was a really good show. But I also think that it was like a one off type situation. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like Raw, at least the way it started, was nowhere near the level that Stomping Grounds left it at. No, of course not. But I still think it was a very good show. It was. It was. On its own. If you were to go back and watch this five years from now, you'd be like, that was a great show. Yeah. Because you're not going to be as, you're not going to be living in the storylines day to day. So it's going to come across better because the matches were all good. Yeah. There were no expectations for it. They've never had a Stomping Grounds before. So they could have done anything. Uh, and that's why I say that it's good, but not great. It should have been great because when you have no expectations, you can blow everybody's balls off. 
Yeah, but it's not like they had like it's not like it's a gimmick pay per view. No, and that's why it's even better. They had a random cage match and then a special guest referee match. When's the last time we got a special guest referee match? Yeah, that like mattered. So like that's that's why there were so many things on paper that were going for this pay per view, and I think they executed really well. The matches were all really good. I just some of the storylines are weak, and you know, if the if Ricochet winning that title happened later on the card, I probably would have thought it was better. I don't know. I really enjoyed it, but I want to know what uh, our audience thinks. Who? Oh, oh, <laughs> the people listening. <laughs> I. This is just us talking. This is what we do. Yeah, literally. Like we would normally do this after every pay per view. That's why we decided to record it yeah. and make a podcast. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, let us know what you guys thought of Stomping Grounds. Um, let us know what you think of the podcast. Let us know if you think we should do more of these. More reviews and recaps and discussions about post-shows instead of predictions. Yeah, in addi- or in addition to predictions. Yeah. Pre and post. So with that all being said... I'm Jordan. I'm Robert. Thank you for listening. We are Royally Rumbled. And remember, no No guess guess is as as good as ours. ours.